0: on strike and that strike ruled out live actors he's there by accident there was no way to know whether or not the ad would be a hit but something had to give they needed advertisement hopes were low one of the campaign directors says today it was not my favorite campaign but the gecko started an advertising revolution That saw Geico grow exponentially. They've added about 2 million auto policies since 2002 and are one of the fastest growing insurance brands in the world. Their advertisements are so successful that Warren Buffett, who owns Geico, says he would spend twice as much on advertising if he could. Which is pretty amazing because Geico is second only to Verizon Wireless in the United States in the amount of money they spend on advertising. Over $1 billion annually. The company has grown to love this little gecko because he makes them a lot of money. But again, they had no way of knowing. They created a character, they made the ad, and they waited to see. You know, in life, there are no guarantees of success. And folks, evangelism is much the same way. The only way we can be sure to fail is if we fail to share the gospel. But once we have shared the gospel, it's our responsibility to wait and to pray and to see what the Lord will do with it. We don't know! So we share. This morning we're looking at Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. I remind you that we've been wrestling with this book of Mark and recognizing this is discipleship in the real world. If we're not careful, we can sort of read the Bible divorced from, from the real world in which we live. And Mark is such an incredible book for us because in it we see Jesus living real life. And in the midst of that very real, busy, crazy life, He is still actively engaged in the ministry to which God's called him. As Christians, we're not called to be removed from the world and sort of follow Jesus in these bubbles. We're called to follow Jesus right here in the middle of Camden, South Carolina. We're called to follow Jesus right here in the middle of all of our busyness in the middle of what are sometimes 60 and 70 and 80-hour work weeks, in the middle of, of, of ball teams and dance clubs, in the middle of high school and middle school and elementary school, in the middle of parenting and grandparenting, in the middle of travel, in the middle of all of these things, we're called to follow Jesus. A lot of people neglect to follow Jesus because they tend to think things like this. Well, if I had the kind of life you have, then I would do that too. That's why I was so proud to share Saturday with all those people gathered on our VBS family night. That all those 115 or 20 VBS volunteers that we had were made up not of stay at home moms and and retirees, though there were plenty of both of those. Those volunteers were made up of police officers, those volunteers were made up of Loggers, those volunteers were made up of, of landscapers and plumbers. Those volunteers were made up of government workers and private sector workers and teachers and students. Those volunteers that invested for a week in those children were made up of people that come from all walks of life. For those of you that are too manly in here to love Jesus, they were more manly people here than you investing in little kids. I know because I was one of them. See what I did there? A little joke. It's just a little joke. We had grown men crawling on the floor with two year olds because those men see the value in those children coming to Jesus. You're not too good to follow Jesus, and you're not so bad that he won't listen. But every one of us needs Him. This morning, in this passage that we're looking at, I want us to focus on the patient persistence of evangelism. The patient persistence of evangelism. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus in here this morning, I want to ask you if you're sharing the Gospel. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus this morning, I want to ask you, why not? What's keeping you from following Jesus? Why today? I hope he's not here. I don't think so. Well, I would love for him to be here. I prayed for him by name this morning, but I don't think he's here, so I'll share his story. I had a guy that came to me Friday night after I shared the Gospel, and he said, everything you said is true. But you know, I just don't think that's something I want to do. It broke my heart. It broke my heart. And yet I'm well aware that there are many of you in this building who will walk out today and go I'm pretty sure that everything he said is true but I like my life more than I like the life that Jesus has called me to Hmm. how is it that we get to a place where communicating the good news of Jesus becomes a regular occurrence in our life how do we get there? And this microphone is driving me nuts this morning. Y'all give me just a minute. I want us to get there, but I want us to get there without this microphone pulling off my head. Alright, how do we get there? The first thing this morning is you've got to commit to the kingdom. You have to commit to the kingdom. Guilt is a terrible long-term motivator. Now guilt's a great short-term motivator. If I need y'all to go clean up chairs in the gym this morning, guilt's a great way to get you to go do it. If I need you to show up six weeks from now and mop that gym, guilt is not going to get you anywhere. You understand? Guilt is a great short-term motivator. It's okay to use guilt to get your kids to clean their rooms today, but if you're trying to use guilt to get them to do something for the next two years, all you're doing is tearing them down. Guilt's a great short-term motivator, but it's a terrible long-term motivator. People who share the gospel consistently are people who are committed to the kingdom of God. Now, I want to make sure that we're clear. When I talk about sharing the gospel consistently, I'm talking about those people who seem to bleed the Bible. I'm not necessarily talking about the guy that stands on the street corner every single day and hammers people as they walk by. Though I'm not opposed to street preaching either. I'm talking about those people who find a way, as a matter of their everyday lives, to regularly engage with folks and communicate the gospel. That the gospel just sort of leaks out of them. People who do that are people who are committed to the kingdom. Do you know that I don't have to motivate people to talk about something when they're already motivated? It is June the 10th. And I still, or already, or however term you want to use, find people regularly talking about college football. Y'all don't have to be motivated, do you? I don't have to encourage it. I don't have to ask the questions. Some of you can just see one of those little G's somewhere and assume that that person must be a diehard Georgia fan and Georgia fans are going to annoyingly talk about it for the next like hour. And Florida fans, we don't even want to start there, do we? And Alabama fans, and we can all agree how bad that is. But we don't have to get people motivated to talk about, or we don't have to drive people to talk about something when they're already motivated. I recently bought a bicycle. Some of you have enjoyed making fun of my bicycle. You know what? Y'all don't don't even have to ask me about it. I just find ways to work it into conversation. So I tell you I bought a bike. Yes, Craig, you told us you bought a bike. Will you please hush? Did I tell you? Craig, we don't care. But I want to tell you about it. Did I tell you how many miles I rode? Craig, we do not care. But I'm excited about it, so I talk about it. You know that I don't have to motivate people to talk about Jesus when they're excited about Jesus. You know that? I don't have to do that. Do you want to be the kind of person who just bleeds God's Word and bleeds the gospel? the kind of person for whom it just sort of leaks out. Commit to the kingdom. For those of you who are here Friday night, I told you about a conversation I had with a kid who just broke my heart. Broke my heart as he talked about the sin in his life. And I said, why does that sin come to the surface in your life? He said, because this is what I see at home. It's in my heart. Parents, listen to me. What kingdom are you committed to in your home? What kingdom? Are you committed to the kingdom of yourself and your sinful ways or committed committed to the kingdom of Jesus? Because listen to me. They will do what you do, not what you say. And they will imitate everything you say. Don't miss that. If y'all really want to know what happens in somebody's home... Let me tell you how to find out. Walk over to the children's building and ask those teachers. Those of you that think that you live these terrible lives at home and come and fool everybody else, your four-year-olds tell everything. They tell everything. The preacher's kids tell everything. (laughs) Parents, we laugh about it, but what kingdom are you committed to? We're going to get to everybody else in a minute, but just briefly, since it's BBS week, let me just say this, parents. Parents, focus. You will lead your kids to hell or you will lead them to heaven. Period. End of discussion. Your children will inherit eternal life if they see you modeling that lifestyle before them. And if you believe for a minute... That because you show up at church once every three or four months and you tell them to go with their mama or go with their daddy, that somehow or other you're doing right by them, they're going to be you except worse. Period. And your children will come to know Jesus without you only by miraculous intervention from the Lord. Do you know that? Only by miraculous intervention from the Lord. The language that you use at home, you know what it's doing? It's shaping and molding the heart of your children. It is. The outburst of anger in your home is shaping and molding the heart of your children. The way that you treat your spouse is shaping and molding the heart of your children. And as they get older, Jesus teaches us that the things that come out of our mouth and the actions that take place in our life come from an overflow of our heart. And so the things that you are investing into their heart is creating and cultivating the person that they will be. And it hurts my heart to see that some of our children have no chance Because in three hours of church a week, we don't have a chance to undo all that you are doing to them at home. And it angers me and it breaks my heart all at the same time. It breaks my heart for your children, it breaks my heart. Will you commit to the kingdom of God? Will you turn aside from the kingdom of man and the kingdom of success and the kingdom of materialism and the kingdom of the tough guy image? i got enough tough guys in my life. I don't need any more. Just to be totally honest. Would you commit to the kingdom of Christ? The kingdom of God? Would you lead lead your children to inherit eternal life? I got to move on. But, dads, it's time that a lot of you grew up. I don't care if they're successful on the ball field. To some degree, I don't even care if they're successful in the classroom. Jesus is all that matters. Great job. If you produce an above average little league baseball player, and in so doing, you rob them of eternal life. Had one of the children come to me this week. I don't know why. I don't know where the conversation began, but that child came to me Pastor Craig, Pastor Craig, Pastor Craig, tell me about hell. Hey, let's, let's, let's move on. <laughs> what happens in hell? Let's move on, son. Because this is like a five year old. <laughs> what happens in hell? I said it's a place of eternal torment and punishment. Parents, we didn't spend time guilting children to Jesus this week. We didn't spend time scaring them to Jesus. But you'd better be terrified to stand before your Maker one day and to answer not only for your own sin. But to answer for why it is that you didn't lead your children to Jesus. To answer for why it is that your children will inherit eternal torment because you believed that anything else in this world was more important. Giving them a relationship with Jesus. Commit to the kingdom of God. Above all else, commit to the kingdom of God. All other things in the world will rust and wither. The moth will eat it, but the kingdom of God will endure forever. Commit to the kingdom. Second thing this morning, share the gospel anyway. Share the gospel anyway. And he said the kingdom of God, that's what we're committed to, is as if a man should scatter the seed on the ground. He sleeps at night and rises. The seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't even know how. Now, we're a lot smarter. Now, keep in mind, folks, it's not as though... Jesus is giving a very simple parable. Be careful that we don't become chronological snobs and assume that we're so much smarter than everybody else. Nobody who heard this from Jesus went, Oh, I never thought about that. Jesus is oversimplifying a statement right here. They recognize that there was a process of growing that went on. But I just want you to imagine some situations for me. Imagine a situation where you've planted something. Now, kids are great for this. They're fun to plant things with. So if you plant something, you put it in a pot... They'll plant things about once a year with the children's department and then they'll send them to my house. Thanks so much. Appreciate that. And then I'm supposed to make sure that it grows. But the kids are great. They'll plant it and they'll water it and they'll go out the next morning and they go, My flower didn't grow! Not, no, your flower didn't grow. Well, maybe it'll grow tomorrow, and they'll go out the next day, and they will check it every day until finally they see something. But kids are interesting. Since they get, they expect that something to grow. Sometimes they get frustrated. Like my four-year-old or five-year-old now is kind of this way. If things don't happen the way he expects, the minute that he expects it to, he can get frustrated and just want to just throw the whole thing in the trash. Right? He wrecks his bicycle and he doesn't go, oh man, I wrecked my bike. He gets up, he kicks the bike, he goes, oh, you bike, oh. It's like, yeah, it's the bike's fault. Yeah. We're, we're working through these things at home. It's a process. Sometimes we, we share the gospel and then we go, oh, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes we look at it and we go, well, this ground would never produce anything, so I'm just not going to worry about it. Sometimes you get ready to plant, you go, well, it's not going to rain for another week, so I'm not going to do anything. You know, I don't have enough fertilizer, so I'm not going to do it. What if the farmer second-guessed himself every single day? Well, today's a bad day. Well, tomorrow's a bad day. You know, I bet it's going to frost two weeks from now, so I better not plant anything Well, we recognize how ridiculous that is, but so often our communication of the gospel sort of looks like that. Well, that guy doesn't want to hear it. Well, that guy would never respond. Dude, I know him. That'd be a waste of time. I don't know them, so I'm not going to give it an effort. I don't know if they speak English, so I'm just not going to try. That person wouldn't feel comfortable in our church. You know what? I don't like that guy. Well, it's difficult because that's my my mom, or that's my dad, or that's my brother. You know, what if we just shared the gospel anyway? What if we didn't have to wait for the situation to get right? What if we just shared the gospel? What if we were to acknowledge that there's never going to be a perfect opportunity, but we're just going to share the gospel anyway? The timing isn't right. Look for a crack and squeeze it in. How many of y'all had to listen to me talk about my bike when the time was right? Raise your hand. Everybody's going, no, Craig, please hush about that bike. We can talk about some other things if you want to. I got all kinds of things I'm interested in life. I'm leaving for the, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention this afternoon. And I'm reminded this time last year, I flew to Phoenix Don't fly to Phoenix in June. Who plans meetings in Phoenix in June? I don't know, but I didn't do it. But I flew to Phoenix, and and one afternoon, I I walked down to a drugstore for something. I don't even know why. But I was in there, and and it just so happened that, like, in the middle of downtown Phoenix, I was in this drugstore, and it was just me and and the, the cashier. There was somebody back at the pharmacy, and I had just a few minutes. I didn't have a long time, but I had a few minutes. And I looked at her and I said, could I pray for you today? And the woman's face just lit up. She said, would you pray for me? Absolutely. What could I pray for you about? And I don't remember what she asked me to pray for about. And I pulled a track out of my backpack. I said, could I give you one of these? Has anybody ever given you one of these before? Do you know what this is? No, I don't know. I was able to share the gospel with a girl working the cash register at CVS. How often do you have enough time to share the gospel with somebody working the cash register at CVS? Not very often, let me tell you, because there's usually somebody standing in line behind me. But that day, there was nobody there. There was a crack. There was a crack. You know what? I had the chance to walk her through the whole gospel. Now, I don't know for sure she got saved. She didn't pray right there. Somebody walked up. I had to leave her with that. I left her with the gospel of John. I said, I'm going to pray for you. I wrote her name down, I prayed for her. I don't know what happened, but there was a crack. There was a chance. Y'all share the gospel anyway. Well, that guy's heard it 187 times. Share it anyway. This might be the time that works. Well, he'll cuss me out. Share it anyway. You've been cussed out before. It'll be okay. And if you haven't been, you know, talked ugly to for sharing Jesus, then you're just not doing it enough yet, okay? I'm not telling you to be obnoxious. I will tell you that most people in the world are very kind when we go to share the gospel. But there is that guy somewhere out on the way. Guess what? If you hadn't found him yet, you're just not working hard enough. Share anyway. Well, i might have to sit beside this person on an airplane for the next eight hours. Share anyway. Well, they'll never talk to me again if I do this. Write it in a letter. Don't have an argument, but share it anyway. Share anyway. Do it all sorts of ways. Leave a track on the gas pump. Chances are that person won't get saved by reading the track, but we just don't know. Share anyway. What about the guy sitting beside you at the restaurant? Just give it a go. Who knows? Share anyway. We have spent so much time talking about what won't work. But some of you don't know what will work because you hadn't shared enough to find it out. Share anyway. I'll never forget we had somebody here working in, in a place that with, with a boss that was, that was really just in opposition to the gospel. She was so burdened to share the gospel with the people that came through, but was so concerned about her job. She said, what do I do? I said, well, you just pray. But you know what, what amazed me? That woman just kept on sharing Jesus. She said, it might cost me my job, but I just can't help it. It just keeps falling out. Share any way. Share it. For goodness sakes. We find a reasons to talk to people about college football that we don't even know. Do you know that? I mean, you think about it. You're checking out the cash register, they're wearing a, you know, if you're a Gamecock fan, they're wearing a Gamecock shirt. It's amazing how quick you strike up a conversation. You Clemson fans, y'all just see anything. If it's remotely orange, like if it's burnt orange, you assume that they're a Clemson fan. It could just be a rusty car rusted out to orange and you go, they must love Jesus and love Clemson. It's just true. I mean, that's just the way y'all work. But you know what? We just look for an excuse, don't we? Do you know how many people have cross tattoos? Do you know how many people? Have you ever, when's the last time you looked at them and said, man, I like that tattoo. What's that all about? You know, how many of them are going to tell you about Jesus? About one out of a hundred. The rest of them God I just thought it was cool. Oh my goodness! Why is it cool? Just look at them and say, Why in the world would an instrument of torture be cool? That doesn't make good sense. They're going to look at you like you're crazy. Don't be mean about it. Share anyway. Just do it. Just do it. It's incredible. There's a fellow that works out at my gym. See, I can do the bike and the gym. I can work it all in. And he says, uh, he he has a tattoo that says, fear no man but God. Well, we've had a lot of opportunities to have a conversation about that one. His punctuation's wrong, so that kind of messes me up. (laughs) Hey, dude, you know you need a comma, right? Huh? Just tell me about your tattoo. Just share anyway. Well, he doesn't want to know. Do you know that? Did he tell you? People tell me they don't want to hear about my bike. You know what I do? I just keep on talking. (laughs) Y'all tired of hearing about the bike yet? I know. So is everybody else. But you know what? That's what we do about things we're excited about, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, seriously, if we're not careful, when we get excited about something, we can get annoying about it. And my bike. When's the last time somebody just looked at you and said, man, could we talk about anything other than Jesus? And you go, oh, you know what, you're right. Why don't we go fishing? I'll take some bread and we'll see where it goes from here. <laughs> Number three this morning. Trust the Lord always. So, so the farmer would be crazy to not plant, okay? The conditions aren't perfect. There's never going to... Just, it just doesn't happen perfectly. Peaches are a big crop in the state of South Carolina. And it is a gamble every year. Now, right now, it looks like we are going to have a bumper crop of peaches. And I am excited about it. But the reality is we can still have a, a massive hailstorm come through and, and, and wreak havoc there's no guarantees but they they keep planting them because they're hoping for the best share the gospel and then trust the Lord always trust him you don't see the results now but trust the Lord anyway it can sometimes seem like a miracle when you walk out into a field beginning to green up because it seems like they just turned green overnight right? you, you go to bed, it's brown dirt If you're lucky, it's black dirt. And the next morning you wake up and it's just green as far as you can see. And if we're not careful, we can begin to assume that that's just a miraculous event. All of a sudden, oh, everything is green. But of course, we know that it's not miraculous. We know that there was a whole lot of work taking place under the surface, don't we? We know that before we ever saw the blade come up out of the dirt, that root had gone down and begun to to absorb nutrients from the soil. We know that that plant was growing long before it ever emerged. Just because we didn't see what was going on on the surface doesn't mean there was nothing going on under the surface. What does that have to do with sharing the good news about Jesus? everything in the world everything in the world we trust the Lord all ways so you don't see the results now trust the Lord why because he's told us that his word wouldn't return to him void he said that and if he said it he meant it share anyway trust the Lord all ways trust him parents trust him with your children Trust Him. You keep doing the right things. I got that kid that goes, oh, you bike? oh!" But we keep working slowly and we expect that one day he's going to fall off his bike and he's going to go, oh man, I messed up. We've actually seen it happen with some older kids, so we're confident it can take place. We trust the Lord because He's told us what will happen and guess what? We've seen it happen, haven't we? Haven't we seen it? Haven't we seen those lost causes suddenly not become lost causes at all, but saved and sanctified followers of Jesus Christ? I mean, I love when people walk in here once in a while and go, whoa, he's a member here? How did that happen? That guy is a Christian? She is a Christian? Man, I knew her back when, I, 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 I do this, I don't want to know. I. There's some of you right now That a lot of people go, ain't no way. And I'm here to tell you that I'm just going to keep trusting the Lord. As long as you'll darken the doors of this sanctuary, I'm going to keep praying for you. I'm going to keep preaching the gospel to you. And I'm going to trust that the Lord can change you. I might not see it happening right now. But I'm going to trust that God's at work. Because His Word is powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. That is the power of the Word of God. When we share the good news of the gospel, we share it fully and completely trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit to work. Folks, we are responsible to share. God alone is responsible to change the heart of man. Only the Lord can do that. I can't. But you know, He uses me as I proclaim His Word. And as I urge, trust the Lord. But even as you trust, watch what the sower does. When the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because at the harvest, because the harvest has come. You know what that means? That means that even as we trust the Lord, we still call for a response. And we look and we wait. And when the time presents itself, we jump on it. We jump on it. Would you be saved? Would you give your life to Jesus? We even say things like, don't wait! Because you're not promised tomorrow. So what does that do for us today? If you're a follower of Jesus, man, I hope it gets you a little bit motivated to get out of here, to be committed to the kingdom of God, to allow the things of the Lord to just start sort of leaking out of your mouth. To to become just a little bit annoying with the things of the Lord because you just talk about them all the time. It'd be awesome if sometimes somebody just looked at you and said, do you talk about anything else? Yeah, sometimes. Share the gospel. You say, Pastor, I'm not real good at it. I'm not real good at riding a bike. And I keep doing it and telling people about it. I'm telling y'all, if y'all see me riding that thing, none of y'all are going to go, there goes Lance Armstrong. Y'all going to go, there goes Craig. And he doesn't look real good doing that. So what if you don't share the gospel, Great. Guess what? I'm not Billy Graham either. But I keep going. We keep doing it. Why? Because we trust the Lord always. If He can speak through a donkey, He can speak through me. And He can speak through you too. If you're a follower of Jesus, let's get serious. But the second thing this morning is some of you have shown up here today and you don't know the Lord. Now, some of you have already tuned me out because you've been here enough to know what part's coming next. So if that's you and you've pulled your phone out or whatever, listen up. Because I don't think God's finished with you either. Because I know enough stories of folks in here who have listened for a long time and never gave their life to Jesus. And so there's some of you who are here today and you need to hear this. God's not finished with you. You might be the hardest case in here, but guess what? That's fine. You're not too hard for him. You're not the Apostle Paul. He's got this. Chances are, you're not any harder than any of the other people in here. We got some hard cases that God's already cracked. It's amazing what he can do. The gospel is powerful. He can change you, he can change your heart, he can change your eternal destination. He turns you from sinner to saint like that, that fast. You know what He can do? He can change your desires. He can change your passions. But more than anything, He changes you from lost sinner to saved saint. From enemy of God to friend of God. (laughs) He changes you from hopeless to hopeful. He changes from lost to found. And He invites you into His home. Where He seats you at His banqueting table. And His banner over you is not condemnation. It is not judgment. His banner over you is love. So I'm curious this morning. Would you be willing to put away your pride? Put down your your arrogance? To turn from your sin and trust Jesus? He will take you just... As you are. This week, we had a lot of children give their lives to Jesus. But in recent months, we've had a lot of grown men and women give their lives to Jesus. This isn't child's play, we're wrestling with matters of eternity. Would you come to Jesus today? Would you come today? So you've heard this gospel preached a hundred times. Would you come today? Would you come? So you've made it known to the whole wide world that you're hardcore and you don't need Jesus. Would you come today anyway? Because I'm going to tell you something. Heaven is going to be full of a whole lot of people who didn't need Jesus. And then suddenly found out they couldn't live without Him. Would you come today? Would you? You're too tough for Jesus? Not hardly. Would you come today? You're too sinful for Jesus. No way. He died to save you. Would you come today? All, every single one, all who call the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you come today? It's a difficult thing to preach sometimes and know that there are faces in the room who need the Lord. And to live with the fear that those faces will walk out the door and continue to be lost. You don't have to leave here today separated from Jesus. You can stop lying to yourself and lying to the world around you. And you can come to Jesus today. Would you come today? Don't wait another minute. Come. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that the power of the gospel would work today. That your Holy Spirit would draw men and women to yourself. Lord God, that you would work through the feeble words of this preacher to show sin and to show the glory and majesty of a Savior. Lord God, lives would be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand today and would you come? All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, but God is rich in grace and mercy and invites you today to be saved. He invites you today to be changed. Would you come as we sing this morning?